Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Money Pit is brought to you by Isonine. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, what are you working on? I mean, we're smack dab in the holiday season here. Did you complete your decorating? Maybe you got a string of lights that hasn't uh, been cooperated. We can talk about that. You're trying to get some last-minute core projects done, maybe a little reorganization, make some room for the guests. We can talk about that. And if you got a project that you'd love to get done next year, why not start planning it right now? Give us a call. It's your chance to get your questions answered at 888-MONEY-PIT. Hey, if you're tired of buying and then tossing plastic water bottles out each week, a whole house water filter might be a better option. And it's actually one that's not that expensive to add. We're going to have tips on that project just ahead. Plus, if you love decorating but want to get those projects done on a shoestring budget, you're going to love some of the ideas featured in the Southern Hospitality blog. Author Rhoda Vickers is going to be here to share her tips. And if you've got an older house with beautiful but albeit drafty windows, then adding a storm window might be a smart move, especially because today's storm windows, they have gone high tech with coatings that make them even more efficient. We'll have details on that project just ahead, along with your calls to 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? All right. John in Texas is on the line with a question about new heating and cooling for his money pit. What can we do for you? I wanted to find out some information on these uh, ductless heaters and air conditioning. Instead of using the uh, conventional furnace heater and air conditioning. So are you talking about uh, heating units that get mounted like on the wall, for example, that are just sort of space units but permanently installed? Yeah, they look like regular heaters and stuff like that. I just wanted your thoughts on it. John, what room in your house do you want to have these heaters in? I want to put them in every room and not use the furnace anymore. What's wrong with the furnace and the air conditioner? I just don't like them. You just don't like your furnace? Okay. Yeah, I never have liked them because, you know, when we first had a furnace, we had one that was a gravity furnace and uh, heated up the entire thing. It didn't seem like it used much energy. And then they made you turn from coal to gas, and you had to add electric to that because it wouldn't push the heat. So it's more expensive. Okay, so first of all, I think what you're going to find is that if you use space heaters, that collectively they are going to be more expensive than the central heating system. And if your central heating system is uh, making it very expensive to heat your house, the problem is generally not the heating system. It might be the house itself in terms of the insulation that you have in the house. And the best place to look for that is in the attic. If you had to choose one place to add 
uh, some energy efficiency to your house, it would be the attic by at least doubling the amount of insulation you have there. Most people don't have this much, but you need 15 to 20 inches of fiberglass in a house for it to be reasonably energy efficient. I know what you mean about the old gravity-fired, the gravity-fed coal furnaces. They're really big units, uh, and they're really hot, and they do fill the whole house up uh, quite nicely. And then maybe now, uh, especially with those older ducts using a more modern furnace, you're not getting the distribution you want. But I don't think that's the issue, and I don't think the solution to space heaters is I think uh, collectively you're going to end up spending a lot more on uh, on those than you would on the heating system you have now. So I would tell you to try to improve the energy efficiency of the home and not replace this, the uh, heating system itself, John. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Julian, Missouri, which is probably freezing, just like everybody else in the United States of America has been this winter. Yeah, like way below freezing. So that's part of my question. We have um, a couple of huge hot water heaters, an 85-gallon and a couple of 50s. We have a bed and breakfast, and the hot water heaters are in the basement. And it seems like it's always the people on the third floor that get up first. And so there's a lot of water going down the drain of all that hot water. Plus, over the past couple of years, we've had frozen pipes and not the outside walls. It's been in the middle of the room because the house was built in the 1800s, so that's pretty drafty walls. So I, I remember somebody telling me once about some recirculating hot water. So the pipes always have hot water in them. Maybe those hot water pipes wouldn't freeze. Well, first of all, um, hot water is only half of the equation here. You know, you, you're you going to be running cold water up to those rooms as well, correct? Like for a bathroom? Well, I guess. That's why I'm calling you, because you're the man. Yeah, so I mean, I would think recirculating hot water is not the solution here. Look, if you've got frozen pipes, or pipes that, are, that tend to freeze, there's really only a couple of things that you can do about this. And, then, and the most sensible thing is to insulate them. Now, if it's in an interior wall space and you know where that wall is, one thing that you could think about doing is adding blown-in insulation to the interior wall. Now, normally you wouldn't do this, right? Because why insulate an interior wall? But that would be a lot easier than tearing a wall open. You've got to get insulation on these pipes if they're prone to freezing. And nothing else short of that is going to solve this. Uh, You know, I have in my house uh, a kitchen sink that had a pipe that ran up the exterior wall, and invariably, in the coldest winters, it would freeze. The only solution there is to insulate the pipe, and when we couldn't get to that pipe to insulate it, what we ended up doing was actually moving the lines to a different location so they would be less likely to freeze. So there's always a solution. It's not always easy, but you've got to insulate those as a start, and if it's an interior wall, I would simply blow insulation into that wall. That's the fastest way to get some some warmth around those pipes and stop them from uh, from freezing. In terms of the recirculating hot water, yes, there are ways to do that, but it tends to be very wasteful, and I don't think it would be cost-effective when you consider all of the uh, electricity it takes to run that water 24-7. Plus, when you're running that water back to the water heater, remember, your water heater is going to run more frequently, too, because it's actually going to be heating a lot more water, not only the water that's in the water heater, but all that extra water that's running through the pipes. So I don't think from a cost-effective perspective, even though you see, you, you, it seems like you're wasting resources and wasting money and wasting water... I don't think you're wasting so much that it would be anywhere near a break-even for you to put in the equipment would take to recirculate it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Julie, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call. We want to hear what you are working on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are here to lend a hand. You guys know the number, 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, would you like crisp, clean water coming straight from your tap? Well, the whole house water filter does just that. We'll explain more after this. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. I heard that you have a sideline now as a plumber. Is this true? <laughs> Basically, if you need any sort of toilet maintenance or repair. You're the, you're the girl. I'm your girl. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I got two boys. They have a bizarre love of toilet paper. So the past few weeks have been, you know, an exercise in like, oh, I've flushed the entire roll of toilet paper plus the entire box of wipes down. Moops, everything's backing up. So it's like a couple of times it was, you know, fixable with a plunger. Then I had to get a plumber who then, you know, was able to make everything go down. Then the next time the plumber had to come and physically remove the toilet from the ground and pull out all of the backed up paperwork. So now this past week, they're like, oh, the toilet doesn't flush anymore. I had to do the flap valve and the fill valve. I had to switch everything out, which, you know, it's kind of impressive. I think it's terribly easy is also the fact. But to my children, they thought I was like the genius plumber situation. I was like, oh, I got to turn off the water. And it's so difficult. And I have to tell you, <laughs> literally, I think I spent 12 dollars at the home depot to get both parts and it took me maybe 10 minutes the hardest part was the to turn off the water it was kind of stuck so like that gave me the hardest time i was going to just change one of the valves just the flapper valve because that's really where the problem was but i was like you know what i'm in there i'm turning off the water i'm going to do both but truly for around 15 bucks or less i got both parts and i was really surprised because i honestly hadn't looked at the filler the flapper valve at, at any time in a while and it definitely was worn. Who knows when the last time they were changed. So I would say this is probably like your basic toilet maintenance. And you should kind of do this like 
every 10 years, maybe, or however long, if you're keeping up, you know, on checking it out and see how things are wearing. And if you find out that you have a high chlorine content, get the fill and the flapper valve that are meant for high chlorine. And you can also get ones that make your toilet energy efficient. So, so many ways that you can upgrade your toilet and feel like a plumbing superstar. And really, it's totally not difficult. And then you can just brag at how amazingly talented you are. But it's not hard. <laughs> Wait till the neighbors start calling you and asking you to come over to help them with their toilets. 888-666-3974. Hey, if you've got a toilet that needs a makeover, Leslie's your gal. For the rest of the questions, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. Gary in Pennsylvania, you've got the money pit. How can we help with your flooring project? 65-year-old home, and some of the, it's a 12-foot span on the 2 by 8 joists. And back in the 1950s, the lumber grading wasn't quite what it is today, and there's some large knots in these, and they have cracked, and the floors settled. Okay, so you want to know how to reinforce those beams? Yeah, and I'm putting a sister joist on the side of it, Okay, two by eight, and I've got Simpson strong tie screws that I'd like to use on there, but I'd, in the inside end of this choice can be uh, rested on the center beam. The outside one, there's nothing short of the block. And the original one is resting on the block also. So in other words, you can set you can set the one end of it on, on the girder, but the other side of it, you, there's nothing to set it on. Is that what you're saying? That is correct. Okay. So what I would do is I would try to do it the, the best you possibly can. I mean, obviously the 12-foot span is it's supporting fines. This is, this is going to do nothing more than, than sort of stiffen this up. So a sister beam, for those that are not familiar with it, is a, is a duplicate floor joist. So if you have two by eight, you put another two by eight next to it, and you glue them together and screw them together. Um, I do want you to use construction adhesive as these beams come together. Make sure you fit it first because there's nothing worse than putting a beam up there full with glue, getting all gooped up, and then having to take it down and do it again. Make sure it fits properly. But then the last step is to put some construction adhesive on it, put the beam back up there, and then use the screws to seal it together. And I think you'll see a big difference in that floor, even though you can't possibly get all the way to one end of it. You know, it would be great in a perfect world that you could, but if you can't, I understand. And just get it as long as you possibly can. As long as it's glued and screwed together, it's still going to be a heck of a lot stronger than what you started with. Gary, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Jane Ellen in Pennsylvania is looking at getting some new windows. How can we help you make that decision? Yes, well, we're looking at getting um, replacing our single-pane windows. And our question is, do you think it would be more cost-effective to spend the extra money on triple-pane windows, or would double-pane windows be okay? Uh, other than the windows, the house is fairly well insulated. It's not real drafty. Uh, we haven't priced our options yet, so we just were looking for an opinion. I think that double pane windows will be fine. The thing is that when you shop for windows, you have all of these different features and benefits that you have to compare and contrast, and sometimes it gets very confusing when you do that. What I would look for is a window that's Energy Star rated and one that has double pane glass. As long as the glass is insulated and it has like a low E coating so it reflects the heat back, that'll be fine. It's been my experience that unless you live in the most severe climates, triple pane glass doesn't really um, make up the additional cost in terms of return on investment. Wonderful. Thank you so much. What kind of windows do you have now? Are they very drafty? They're, well, they're single pane 
windows. They're they're relatively decent windows for single pane, but they're they're old. They're starting to you can see the gas is starting to escape from them, and they are a little drafty. We're our house has a field behind it. Our backyard kind of opens up into a field, so there's a significant amount of wind that comes across the field and flows into the back of the house. And um, off the main back area, we have like a three seasons room, which helps to block some of the wind from the interior downstairs. But the upstairs bedrooms, you feel the wind a little bit more significantly, and we notice the single pane windows a little bit more there. It seems more drafty right there. Well, I think these windows are going to make a big difference for you. Now, if you need to save some money and maybe not doing them all at once, that's fine too. What I would do is the north and east sections of the house first, sides of the house first, and then the south and the west second. Okay? Okay. Sounds great. I know given the winter that we've all had in the northeast and pretty much all over the United States, you might think that a triple pane glass is going to do the trick, especially when we've had, what, like an average of five degrees time? Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, the days that we've had like 30 and 40 degree temperatures, like I've put on a light jacket. I've seen families out with no jackets. Like people <laughs> are out of their minds when we yep. get 40 degree days. I know. We're happy for it, right? It's like summer. <laughs> All right. Well, Jane Ellen, I hope that helps you out. Thanks again for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, I think it's pretty amazing, Leslie, how many plastic water bottles are tossed away every day across the country. Any guesses? I did a little online research. Across the country? Across the country, every day, per day. Two million. Oh my God, you're so far off. 50 million bottles a day. 50 Shut million up. plastic That's a water lot. bottles. Crazy, right? One, I mean, one source had it at 60 million, but you got to figure between 50 and 60 million plastic water bottles tossed every single day. And the thing is, if you're just doing this to have water at home, you don't have to because you can get clean, crisp, filtered water coming right out of your tap if you do one thing, and that's to install a whole house water filter. Now, we're not talking about the filters that go like on the kitchen, on the end of the kitchen faucet. This goes right at the main water valve where it comes in. And once you install it, you know, it's pretty straightforward. There's usually pressure connections. You don't need blow torches or any kind of special tools. You know, once you install it, you will have filtered water throughout the entire house. Yeah. Now, I think it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of choices out there, and they're dependent on what you want to filter. Now, you can get ones that just filter out dirt or rust, and there's other ones that filter out dirt, rust, and chlorine. I think there's really, you know, you've got to depend on what's actually in your town's drinking water and what's in your town's water supply, and then you can determine where the filter should start. The chlorine is an important component of the water because it sanitizes it, but it's nice if you take it out right before you drink it. And that's kind of what, you know, the filter does. And the thing is, you only have to change these out every three months. So they're a good investment. And uh, if it's something that you enjoy, this clean, this kind of crisp water, you don't have to get out of the bottle. Just get a, a water filter, a whole house water filter, install it, and you'll be good to go. Bill in Ohio, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a uh, wood burning fireplace and it has a brick firebox and I'm going to put gas logs into it. And I'd like to clean it out as best I can before putting the gas logs in. And um, there's soot, I guess, and creosote in it. And I wonder if there's any uh, good way to clean that off off the brick. You know, there's actually so there's a ton of different products out there, actually. You can try 
it really depends how much is caked on there because they all kind of work differently. First might be starting with like a TSP, which is a trisodium phosphate, but that's generally going to only work for not that much of a buildup. And since you're talking about the interior, um, try that. The TSP you can find in you know any of the home centers in the paint prep aisle. You mix it up. You can make it more of a thicker paste, and then you put that on there, and then you can brush that off or clean that off and see if that will do it. There's a couple of other things. Um, you know, many of the stone companies will make something called a brick and stone cleaner or a fireplace brick and stone cleaner. You can find it online if you search for those exact words. You can even go to, I know my local Ace Hardware has one that's in a tub. It's called a soot remover. There's soot erasers, but I think that, again, is only going to really work for a little bit of a buildup. But because you're on the interior, you might want to go for the heavy-duty stuff. All right, yeah, I tried sodium uh, or baking soda. You sort of paint it on, and it, and it actually did a fairly good job, but there's just some areas that are just a little more resistant to that. And you have to remember that, you know, that brick surface is very absorbent, so you may not end up getting it all out. But as long as it looks kind of even, I think you'll be good to go. Now, you also mentioned you're putting in a gas log here. Be very careful that you have proper venting for this gas log because they throw out a lot of BTUs. Now, in some cases, what you might want to do is actually physically wire the damper open and then maybe put doors on this so that the damper could never be left shut uh, by accident. There have been so many tragedies when those dampers have been left shut with gas logs where people have uh, suffered horribly from carbon monoxide poisoning. So you need to be really careful to make sure you're not creating an unsafe situation. I'd rather see the damper be wired open so it can't be shut. Then you can put a pair of glass doors on that fireplace to keep the drafts from getting into the house. Okay? Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now is the busy time for creating new kitchens. Our next guest did that on a budget using IKEA cabinets, and it turned out amazing. We're going to get that and more budget-friendly decor tips from Southern Hospitality blogger Rhoda Vickers next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. 
Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, if you love decorating or taking on do-it-yourself projects around the house, but you want to get those projects done on a shoestring budget, you'll love some of the ideas our next guest writes about. Yep. Her name is Rhoda Vickers, and she's the author of the Southern Hospitality Blog and founder of the Haven Conference, an organization dedicated to supporting bloggers in the home improvement and decor space. Welcome to the Money Pit, Rhoda. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm enjoying being here. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you were blogging before blogging was cool, weren't you? You've been doing this a long time. I was. That's for sure. It was just really just a, just a, a, a fun thought back in those days. We all started doing blogging just for fun. So I'm about to hit my 10-year anniversary in February. That's fantastic. So tell us, just for those that are not familiar with the Southern Hospitality blog, tell us what you like to write about, what kinds of projects you like to do, and, and maybe some of the favorite things you cover. Okay. Well, initially, when I first started my blog, it was really all about sharing projects at my house, what I was working on, decorating and some DIY projects, just uh, thrifty decorating ideas that I was doing at my own house. And so since then, it's evolved. I, I still do all of that because I, uh, four years ago, I took on a, a renovation and uh, bought a fixer-upper house. So that's been a major blog fodder. Was, it, was that because you ran out of projects with your old house? You had to find another one? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I went through a pretty bad divorce and then started over and bought this foreclosed house. So it, uh, it, it really gave me a lot of blog material. It certainly wasn't what I planned in life, but it, it, you know, it just happened that way. But um, the new house, the fixer-upper house, gave me lots to blog about. So it's been a very fun journey. I also blog about recipes and, uh, you know, some recipes. And, and I started blogging about fashion about a year or so ago. And so, um, and travel. So really, whatever is going on in my life, that's pretty much what I blog about. And so decorating and DIY projects is a big part of that. But now that my house is almost finished, uh, I don't have a ton of projects to do at this point. So most of those are in the past, but it certainly has been fun watching my house change. Well, I think it's interesting, Rhoda. You know, I, I think the catalyst for your latest bunch of renovations was your divorce and this big life change. And I think that probably resonated so much with your readers because there are a lot of people that enter into a new situation in life, whether intended or, you know, it springs upon them. So you probably found a lot of people really sort of responding to what was going on with you and your home. They they really did. They were so supportive um, going through all that. They were very supportive, and they were my biggest cheerleaders when I found my house and started working on it. And um, it really it really propelled my dad. My dad was about eighty five when I bought my house, and he jumped in there with me and helped me get this house fixed up. So he turned into everybody's hero. And um, they watched him. I blogged, I blogged about the house 
once a week and showed all the updates for about six months while we were working on, on my house. We're talking to Rhoda Vickers. She is with the Southern Hospitality Blog. She's been blogging for almost 10 years about home improvement projects and like and lots more. And Rhoda, I was uh, taking a look at some of the posts that you have put up over the years, and i got to say that uh, some, of the, some of them are pretty inspirational. I like the way you did kind of a total uh, kitchen makeover using Ikea cabinets to, for, for one. Tell us about that project. Yeah, that was very fun. At the time, I did not have a big budget at all, so I could not afford to just go out and do, you know, a dream high-end kitchen. So I did my research and really felt like the, the IKEA kitchen was going to be my best choice and, and my, the biggest bang for my buck. So I went ahead and did that. And I have not regretted it a bit. I still love my IKEA kitchen four years later. I'll tell you what, Leslie and I did a uh, IKEA kitchen makeover, a partial one. We took a house that we wanted to make uh, more accessible for a multi-generational family and uh, found ourselves staring at the IKEA cabinets in IKEA and thinking about, because they're modular, what, what, how can we put these together in unusual ways and make some a nice decor statement? And we did that and ended up with a really nice sort of buffet that wrapped around a corner and it was round and uh, it was really beautiful. And I think you can do things with IKEA cabinets on a budget um, that I think you can't really do some with the standard cabinets that are out there. That could be true. Um, I had an installer that installed mine and and he did a great job and I I customized a few little things in there and because my kitchen's not that big so I really maxed out my space as much as I possibly could and put everything in there that I, I could need as far as like the pantry and pull out drawers and things like that. So um, so it's a very it's very efficient, not huge, but efficient, uh, well laid out space, and I'm super happy with it. And Leslie, it seems like Rhoda has shared a project with uh, with you. Uh, she did a laundry room makeover. You just completed one of those yourself not too long ago. Oh my gosh, laundry room makeovers are the best because it's probably one of the most utilized spaces in your homes. But people sort of treat them as that, like a utilitarian space. Like they don't think about making them attractive or enjoyable to be in. And I think it's so fun when you kind of combine design and practicality and turn a a room that you use into a room you actually enjoy being in. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that Um, because my laundry space, did you say you peeked at my laundry space? I took a look at it. It sounded like a like a black hole. <laughs> it looked like you started with down there. It was an absolute pit. It really was. And the first the first time I laid eyes on it, I could not imagine doing laundry in that space. But I knew with some some paint and some elbow grease, we could make it so much better. And that's pretty much what we did. It was really it was really a lot of paint, a whole lot of paint in there to really clean it up and make it look look so much better. And everybody is just amazed when they see it. We always say that's one of the least expensive ways to make a really big impact is paint. Her blog is called the Southern Hospitality Blog. It's at southernhospitalityblog.com. You can read a lot about Rhoda's adventures there and see step-by-step photos of her many projects, which I'm sure you'll find inspiration as you tackle your own. Rhoda Vickers, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed being here. Well, are you faced with beautiful old but drafty windows? Well, new storm windows can help, and now they've gone high-tech with coatings that can actually keep the heat in. We're going to share some tips after this. You live in a body pit. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So happy to have you here today. We would love to have your calls at one eight 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 Money Pit. Pick up the phone right now. Let's talk about your next home improvement project. Vivian in Texas is dealing with a mysterious odor in her house. Tell us what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I have had three plumbers out there thinking they could find out what it is, but one of them told me I had a bird in my air conditioning vents upstairs because our air conditioning heating system is in the attic, and uh, it wasn't that. And uh, it's only been like a year and a half since I had the septic tank pumped out. Where's the odor uh, most prevalent? When you walk in the back door. Do you think it could be could be originating uh, near the kitchen sink? I had one plumber told me that too, and he opened it up, opened the grease trap or whatever you call it, outside, and he says, no, that's clean as a whistle. One of the areas in the house that uh, is often overlooked when it comes to odors, and especially sewage-like odors, are the are the kitchen sink or the bathroom sink drains, and not, though, the traps themselves. But what happens is that you will get bacteria that will form around the, inside the pipe and actually line the pipe, and it gives off what we call biogas. And biogas has an awful odor to it, and it really is difficult to track down because sometimes it's worse than others. So what we would recommend that you do before you do anything else is to get the equivalent of a bottle brush and some bleach and water solution and carefully scrub the inside of the drains of the kitchen. Now, to do that, you might have to take that trap off again and kind of work up, but you really want to make sure that you get rid of any debris that could be stuck to the inside of those pipes because that's what the biogas is built upon, so to speak. Does that make sense? Well, thank you very much. I'm going to sure try it because three plumbers couldn't tell me what it was. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks very much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, if you have beautiful old but super drafty windows, installing storm windows is probably one of the most cost-effective solutions for plugging those energy leaks. They're really easy to install, and they cost a fraction of replacement windows. In fact, according to the United States Department of Energy, storm windows with low emissivity, and you guys might know that as a low E coating, that can lower your utility bill just as much as replacing an entire window. That's a pretty surprising stat. I think it's one that folks really don't recognize that just a storm window can give you just as much energy efficiency as replacing the entire window. And that's because of the low E. The low E actually reflects that infrared heat back into your home, which improves the window's insulation ability. It's going to lower your heating and cooling costs, by the way, in the summer. On average, that window can save you about 12 to 33% uh, on heating and cooling costs, according to the Department of Energy. Plus, it's also possible to install storm windows yourself. I'm not sure I would recommend you do the replacement window yourself, but the storm window is 
If you measure it up accurately, it's a pretty easy install. I mean, the most important thing is that measuring. If you get it right, the window is going to fit and you're done and good to go. Yeah. And I think the best part is the installation. They truly just go on the outside of the existing window and then they kind of rest the bottom edge on the sill itself. So really easy. Pretty straightforward. A job that you can do yourself. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now with your next home improvement question. Brian in Kentucky is on the line and working on a Tudor, which is my favorite kind of home. What can we help you with? I have bought an old 1979 English Tudor home. It's about 2,700 square feet, and it's down in Seymour, Tennessee. And um, it has got brick on the first floor, and the upper floor has the English Tudor style, but it's been made out of plywood, and it looks like it's textured plywood with raised one-by-two-inch strips on it. Um, The house has never been touched. Uh, and it's a good money pit. <laughs> it's uh, I'm going to be taking the stripping off of it, and I'm going to be probably caulking between the joints of the plywood and replacing uh, whatever existing plywood is rotted uh, with uh, OVC marine board um, and then siliconing everything. Um, I'm going to... I want to put stucco or drive it over top of that existing plywood, and I'm leaning toward the drive it because of the styrofoam, which will be an insulation factor. But I don't know the pros and cons of uh, original stucco or the drive it and the cost factor. All right. First of all, I'm very familiar with the design house you have. And yes, it's attractive. Unfortunately, it's really bad in terms of weather resistance because usually they use what they'll use for the what you're calling the plywood siding is a composite type of material that looks a little bit exactly. like supposed to look a little bit like concrete or look like stucco um, but but it's not and and it's a composite siding that really does not stand up very well and if it's not been touched since 1979 okay. then it probably all needs to be replaced if you're trying to decide between using real stucco or it's actually called drivet and it's a brand name for ifs which is exterior insulated foam siding eifs um, I would tell you that you should stay away, stay away from the foam siding. All you need to do is Google search that stuff, and you're going to find huge problems. There's been a lot of complaints over the years, and uh, as a friend of mine once said to me, who's a structural engineer, he said that product was leaking on the drawing board. <laughs> it hasn't stopped since. Okay. Now they made a lot of changes to it, and you know some people said they're happy with it. If you live in a wet climate, I wouldn't use it. If you live, if you, it's, I think it's good on commercial buildings and masonry buildings because they don't have the decay factors. But I would absolutely stay away from the exterior insulated foam siding um, for uh, for a residential home. I think you're going to end up, Brian, taking all of that uh, plywood off. And then you're going to have to decide what you want to replace it with. If you're going to go with real masonry siding, real masonry stucco, I think that's a wise choice. I think that's a choice that will last a lifetime and 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 give your house a proper English Tudor. You know, English Tudors last forever because they're built to last forever. But when we make the fake English Tudors with the composite uh, siding and and the furring strips, uh, you're lucky that it lasted the 30 plus years that it has. Now, would you go with? Like the the marine board, like I was talking about, and then put the tie back around that, or 
or the tar paper or well what you're going to end up doing is you're going to, you're going to have a she- you're going to have a plywood sheathing so you're going to take everything off examine the interior make sure there's no rot in the studs you're going to add a plywood sheathing you're going to add building paper you're going to add uh, metal um, uh, woven metal wire and you're going to put the the, the stucco right on top of that of course i mean really your mason's going to do this but that's essentially the process okay all right well thank you very much i, I appreciate your time you're welcome brian good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit hey are you looking for ways to make your front entry more festive well stick around because we've got all the holiday decor tips coming up after this Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Let's get right to answering some posts. This first one's from Jeannie in Connecticut. Sounds like she's got a plumbing emergency. Yeah, that's old plumber Leslie here to help. It's a plumbing emergency forced me to redo both an upstairs bathroom and my kitchen just below it, which were both in need of major updates. How can I determine the value of my newly upgraded home? Well, if you had to pick two projects to do in your house that were really going to add some value, you chose well. Jeannie, because uh, replacing your kitchen, replacing your bathroom, those are both projects that generally deliver 80 plus percent return on investment when you sell your house. Now, you know, how do you determine that exact number? You know, listen, it's, it's a bit of a moving target. But if you speak with some local realtors and point out that you have these these newly remodeled rooms, it's certainly going to add value. Not only does it add value, but remember, when you put your house in the market, you are competing with all the other homes in your neighborhood that are on the market. And the fact that you've got the new kitchen and you've got the new bathrooms makes your house much more desirable than one that doesn't have those improvements. So I really think that you can't go wrong here. I think that was a fortunate plumbing leak that you were able to turn into a a nice new kitchen and bathroom for yourself. Yeah. And I think importantly, make sure you reach out to your homeowner's insurance policy, because now that you've upgraded things, the cost to replace those things have changed. So you want to make sure that that's reflected in your policy. So God forbid something happens, you'll be able to, you know, fix it. Well, the holiday season is here and it's time to deck the halls, but whether you plan to go all out with a light display that can be seen from space or just starting your holiday decor at the front door, that's a great first step. Leslie's got some simple ideas for a memorable and very festive entryway in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. You know, any day now, houses all around you are going to be decked out with lights and garland and inflatable decorations, but there are plenty of ways to make a seasonal splash in small but effective ways. And that's starting right with your front door. Now, you can never go wrong with that evergreen Christmas wreath or swag. They're really a holiday classic and they look great as is, but they really also leave room for that personal or even a playful touch. You know, sleigh bells, for example, is going to give your house a classic jingle every time the guests pass through. And there's no rules when it comes to wreaths. So give thought to, you know, even less traditional accessories that are going to speak to your location or really your personality. Now, think about it. A set of antlers or some roping will work really well on wreaths for rustic homes. Seashells or brightly painted life preserver do the same for houses by the sea. So think creatively. Now, whatever your approach, don't 
ever hang your wreath by hammering a nail into the door. Instead, use a door hanger or even hang it from your door's knocker. You can also place a hook at the top of the door and then extend clear fishing line and the wreath from that. You never, ever, ever want to put a nail into your front door because that could really potentially damage it. It could ruin its you know, energy efficiency and it can also void the warranty if you've still got one. So just be careful. Now, when you step inside your foyer or even your entranceway, those are also ideal canvases for holiday fun. Go classic with garland and lights. You can be seasonal with pine cones or even hanging snowflakes or pick a theme like the Nutcracker or Woodland Friends. So many fun options out there. You don't even have to make a lot of the stuff. You can find them ready to go at your craft and home decor stores. Just have fun this holiday season. That's truly what it's about. Great ideas. We love to see all those decked outdoors as well. So post photos of your finished door decor at facebook.com slash the money pit coming up next time on the program one invention that changed the 20th century in a very big way was of course the light bulb but lighting has come a long way since thomas edison's day with lots of new advances that are taking lighting into the 21st century and beyond we'll shed some light on the subject of lights on the next edition of the money pit i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti remember you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone 